0: Hello
1: and welcome to the Fintech Power 50 podcast, focused on discussing the most interesting topics in fintech. The Fintech Power 50 is an annual guide to the most influential, innovative and powerful figures in the fintech industry, shining a spotlight on those who are transforming financial services for the better.
2: Hello everyone, my name is Polly Jean Harrison. We have a fantastic group of panelists here today and the discussion is going to be absolutely amazing. So with the use of digital banking services growing exponentially in the last few years, the industry is constantly reinventing itself. Uh, Consumers can now access banking services from anywhere in the world at any time with banking's transformation becoming an industry standard. Our panelists will also examine the challenges currently facing players in the industry and what the future has in store. So I'm thrilled today to welcome Adam Desmond, the Commercial Director at IDverse, Daniel Greeler, CCO at Weaver, and Jonah Adams, MD, Digital Infrastructure and Managed Services at Interswitch. Hello, everyone. Thank you all so much for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here.
1: Hi there. Hi, Poppy. Thank you for having
2: Perfect. So I want to start by just giving you all the opportunity to both introduce yourselves and your company, the kind of things that you do. Um, So Adam, why don't you go first? Thanks,
1: Polly. Yeah, my name is Adam Desmond. I've been in the identity space for the last 10 years, focusing on government-issued identity document and biometrics. And at IDverse, I lead the commercial teams across Europe. And IDverse is essentially a fully automated document verification and biometric solution that enables you to onboard customers from anywhere, any time and in any way. And uh, yeah, looking forward to the conversation today.
2: Amazing, thank you so much. And Daniel, why don't you go next?
3: Hi, Daniel Greeler, Chief Commercial Officer at Weaver. I've worked in banking and payments for 20 odd years. First 10 years, big companies, HSBC, American Express. About 10 years ago, I decided to get up into the startup world. So I've worked for a couple of different startups now, always doing very cutting edge, disruptive things, uh, data sharing, uh, artificial intelligence, this kind of thing. Three years ago, I joined Weaver. Weaver is a leading embedded finance provider so, we help to put financial services inside of digital solutions, uh, what we call financial plugins, uh, products that are embeddable by design.
2: Fantastic stuff. And, Jonah, last but not least, why don't you give us your introduction?
0: Yeah. Um, hi, everyone. Pleasure to be here. My name is Jonah Williams. I'm managing director of InterSwitch Sistigra, one of the business divisions um, at InterSwitch. Um, InterSwitch is a Nigerian based um, fintech company we are a technology company at heart and we're focused on payment and commerce um so we with the first we are the first uh, african-based unicorn out of uh, africa um, so what we do is provide payment and um, commerce technology to banks fintechs and uh, financial services company as well as other end we've been in the market now for about 21 years um and, and, and we've been very successful in the market um we are owned by by um, um, venture com- companies, PE firms. I also have visa as part of our, our shareholdings. Um, we have operations in about five or six African countries. And basically, um, what we do is to support banks, fintechs, and co to to grow their payment business across Africa.
2: Amazing stuff. Well, thank you, all three of you. Uh... We do have
0: this market share in Nigeria, and um, hopefully we're going to grow that across Africa. So thanks.
2: Amazing stuff. Well, thank you all three of you uh, for joining me today. I'm really uh, excited and interested about the conversations that we're going to be having because I feel like digital banking is such a a broad topic that we're going to be approaching from three quite different angles. So I'm really interested to see uh, where we go with this. But why don't we start the conversation with kind of, I guess, a, a pretty high level question of what does the current digital banking landscape look like to you? Um, and I guess also what kind of trends are you seeing at the moment playing out in the space? And, you know, I guess with only what, I think it's like 15 weeks until the end of the year. So we've had a pretty significant 2023 already. So it'll be great to see uh, what you guys are seeing. So Daniel, why don't you take that one first?
3: Sure. Thanks, Bolly. Happy to. Um, I think the, the big change is the way in which people consume financial services. So, you know, but banks exist ultimately uh, in order to provide financial services to customers. Historically, if you think way back sort of 40, 50 years, it used to be you would go as a consumer to your bank branch in order to go and get a financial service, a bank, a loan, a, a mortgage, etc. The the change over the last sort of 30, 40, 50 years has been well documented. Branched to online, online to digital. Where we're seeing it now is the shift from purely digital, as in, I have an app or I have an online banking facility to embedded finance. And the whole point about this is consumers, whether or not they're individuals or whether or not they're businesses, expect to receive financial services inside of the digital services that they're they're using. So our company, my company, Weaver, is an embedded finance provider. Embedded finance is not a new idea. It's the idea that you get a financial service inside of a non-financial journey. Um, car loans is a great example car loans have been taken out when you buy a car in a garage for years and years and years right and then that uh, became you buy a laptop on installments you go into or what have you and you buy your laptop or your white goods and you get a so these are these are in finance ideas what's happened more recently the trend we're seeing now and companies like Klarna are a great example of this i want to take a loan out at the point that i get the service right so this is this is now getting a a a the lending at the point in which I, I buy the purchase. Whether or not it's the Amazon experience, whether or not it's the experience, people expect to get their services invisibly in part inside of whatever they're, they're, they're taking. And that's really the trick that we have to, to solve right now. It's not a case of build, it will come, you have to build it to be contextual, the point of need inside of the, the journey that everyone's uh, that's going on because the consumer expectation is will stay in the digital situation that I'm in, whatever that is. They don't want to get their credit card. They don't want to have to and, uh, input uh, any other details. They want it to work. This, they use all their other software, which is just click, 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 and it happens. So the you, you need more data to be able to do that. You need more technology to be able to do that frictionless experience. So the trend that banks are, are really having to with is this idea of take financial service invisibly inside of a digital service is a huge infrastructure change and it's a huge change in the way that people think about risk so this the the real challenge that people are grappling with but when you get it right um it's the biggest distribution channel uh, and there are dozens and dozens of of, of huge success stories uh, in this space companies like Shopify who are now making three times as much money from financial services as they are from their software sales. So this is the shift that's happening in digital banking. No do get an account so I can do something. It's have an account inside of the thing that I'm doing.
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting viewpoint. I love that. Um, but Jonah, what about you? What are you seeing in the industry from your perspective? Yeah,
0: I, I think from my perspective, uh, Daniel has covered the, the consumer side. I like to look at it from the kind of evolution we've seen in terms of the infrastructure. Uh, again, when you talk of digital um, and banking, what you're talking about is customers using digital channels. Uh, so for me, what has been has been interesting to look at is the evolution um, that banks have had to make in terms of the infrastructure that they've had over the last um, 10, 20 years. Uh, we've seen situations where banks practically had to build stuff on top of their legacy systems to be able to support and some of these digital bank initiatives around mobile, um, around internet banking and the rest of it. But now, you then find that um, with the entry of the fintech players, the neo banks and the other types that we've seen, um, we thought that they would be run out of the market, but they've responded effectively and they've adapted to some of these new technologies and some of these new ways of providing these personalized um, banking services. The other interesting thing that that, that, that has also come out in the last uh, um, 20, 30 years of of, of digital banking is the new interesting business models that we see. Um, If you go back and look at the books of the banks in the last three, the way they make money in 30 years ago, it's not the same way they make money now. Daniel was just talking about embedded finance and the rest of it. We've seen banks effectively respond to some of the needs of customers. having to embed within their digital banking channels, within their digital banking platforms, services that they need in their everyday lives. Um, the, the other interesting perspective that i have also seen is the fact that digital banking has evolved beyond the consumer, okay? We're now seeing that banks are leveraging this channel, this technology to provide services to small businesses, to the enterprise, to what we now see as the consumerization of the enterprise. So uh, we, we, I think from where I see it, um, the banks have done a good job, the fintechs have done a good job of, of, of driving that change and innovation um, in the last few years. Um, I think regulation also um, providing its own interesting perspectives to it. Um, so so I, I think it's been interesting.
2: Yeah, absolutely agree with you there. But Adam, from your perspective, what do you think about this current landscape?
1: yeah i'm um, there's uh, no doubt it's evolving and uh, in the 10 years i've been in the identity space it's very much seen uh, uh, huge changes because of technology changes the devices that are now available to you uh, to carry out these financial transactions uh, but also the the changing landscape of fraud as well so we look at uh, things when we're talking about digital banking from a onboarding perspective as part of a regulatory kyc aml approach and we're focusing on just on the document verification and biometrics and even just that thin slice of the kyc process we've seen it go from people manually eyeballing documents or, or getting a fax back in the day <laughs> to actually these uh, devices that are in people's hands now enable them to take a really high quality definition photo of a document but because frauds evolved and and uh, adapted uh, tools and uh, systems uh, are able to create pretty decent fake documents now and and get through those uh, processes and data being so compromised as well it's about layering and offering multiple data sources and touch points whether it's normal electronic data that you can check against a government database behavioral biometrics now is quite popular Uh, bringing documents to the forefront as well but all of those on their own is still not enough because ai is really accelerated so actually we're seeing now a lot of uh, biometrics being coming mandatory in the process so it's about layering that security so you are adding friction to a journey potentially for the consumer but it's beneficial friction because it reassures them everybody's used to opening their phone with their face now so again, it's it's how, how that has evolved over time. And you see it, they're having to bring more steps and more processes in place to protect the customer and protect their business from things like account takeover or push payments and things like that. And actually, whilst it does create friction at the front end, at the back end, when it comes to payments or forgetting your password and resetting, You've carry your face around with you so it's actually there and available and it's a benefit longer term and it's huge roi a little bit of pain at the front end but certainly you get that reward at the back end and i think one of the biggest changes i've seen is actually you would think it's the fintechs and the startups that are the most agile but they've got to a stage now where they're having to become profitable and they're growing so quickly they've picked a vendor at the front end and then they've sort of stuck with that uh that vendor so It's the big retail banks that are creating these innovation teams and they've got the resources and the funding because they're already profitable to invest back in. And I see a a step change in in digital where the retail banks are going to be leapfrogging these uh, so-called digital banks that are becoming the legacy banks and they're getting too big and they're trying to create more products that they can't can't be as agile as they probably were at the start. So uh, a big uh, shift and step change in the market from that perspective.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting what you say about friction, because I know that is sort of kind of a big hot topic at the moment, but I completely agree that you have to kind of have a few more layers of friction in order to feel secure. Because, um, I mean, there's there's one digital bank that I bank with that to send a money transfer, you just have to click OK and then it goes And to me that I don't like it because I like having that extra step of, are you sure this is okay? Yes, I am. Thank you.
1: I call that beneficial friction. So building that trust with the consumer that actually you're, you've got their back and you're just putting a few extra checks in. uh, I don't think anyone's going to mind doing that as long as it's a good experience and a good customer experience.
2: It's that fine line, isn't it? It's finding the balance of, getting that consumer um, need to get things done quickly, but also, yeah, let's keep things nice and safe and secure. So that's really interesting. Um, And you all kind of touch on this when you just answer that question, but I'd love to know kind of how you've seen things evolve over the past five years or so. I'm using five years as an arbitrary number, but just generally like through the industry, because as we said before, it's such a fast paced, fast growing environment that things are changing all the time. So if, if you were to look back, to five years ago, how have things changed? What are the differences there? Uh, Jonah, why don't you go film first?
0: So I think for me, thanks for the question. For me, um, one of the key things that has been really interesting in the last five years is the impact of regulation and the actions of of, of our regulators across board um, in driving and shipping uh, um, the evolution of digital banking. Uh, One of the things that we have seen, especially in our environment, is that the regulators have, have actually supported um, that, that, that effort? So they've, they've, they've had to effectively define rules that allow us to manage risk, what Adam was talking about now, um, lower what you would call authentication, um, two factor requirements around, around and all those things. But they've also defined rules. If you look at Europe, um, Africa have adopted the, the PSD2 effort that has also helped driven and the availability of consumer data, which has helped enable a lot of these new and um, rich new customers, new niche um, environments. So I, I think from where I see it, um, big kudos to the regulators and uh, uh, and to lawmakers for the efforts they've put in to, to ensure that digital banking is where it is. There's still a lot of work to be done, um, and I think um, and we will see interesting times ahead as... As we begin to look at AI, we begin to look at the impact of identity management, the impact of security and privacy.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be touching on uh, the time ahead as well. But Adam, looking back still, how do you see things changing or have yeah. changed?
1: Yeah, I think obviously the regulators, uh, I agree, are doing a good job at keeping pace with the technology changes because technology is changing at such a rapid speed, especially with the advancement of uh, artificial intelligence and, and things like gen AI, genitive AI, where people can create really sophisticated images now that look like real human beings. But the biggest change for me is actually automation. And it's the same with everything. It starts off as a manual process and you have to do it all yourself. And it's quite resource heavy, labor intensive and, and slow. And then automation comes out. It's the same in the car and manufacturing industry. You know, It started off humans making the cars and now robots make the cars. You used to have to drive your own car and now a car drives itself. So it's the same within banking. Uh, You've got uh, automation coming in that's becoming more and more sophisticated. So, actually, not that we don't like humans, but they can spend time doing more relevant jobs and making those, those, uh, you know, the straight through processes, what we talk about in digital onboarding. But there's people that don't always fit the mold and they, they fall out of that straight through process. So, it's making those experiences better and more uh, seamless that's really um, um having an impact and where humans can come in and get involved but yeah big thing for me is automation uh, and it's it's only really at the start and we're going to see a lot more automation over the next two three years as well so but from the last five years it's it's about how you can automate those manual processes to streamline the bank and the operations uh
3: back offices as well
2: yeah, that's really interesting. Then, but Daniel, from your perspective, what what have you seen previously?
3: In the last five years, we've seen, and maybe even in the five years before that, we've seen a huge amount of improvement in uh, all the experiences that we've been describing. Whether or not it's um, one-click payments, whether or not it's straight-through processing, um, automation. But a lot of it has gone into the consumer world originally. Right, the consumer products were kind of, were improved first. Um, you know, starting all the way back to to PayPal. Um, I've already mentioned Klarna. I think in the last five years, and somewhat powered by um by the pandemic, that improved expect or the the, the heightened expectation that consumers had spread out into the corporate world as well. Certainly, most people I know have. Great uh, consumer experiences on their on their banking apps. They use tools like what do you uh, name check, like like Uber and Amazon. But then suddenly they have to pay an invoice for the project they're working on, and it's a five day piece of work because they have to send a PO out to a to someone to to get approved, and then they have to check that actually the contract was the payment terms, and then and then suddenly you've lost a week, and actually now your project's taking that much longer because you haven't had a chance to. To actually get the payment, and your and your vendors get, got the hump, right? So, what you're seeing is a a huge amount of the innovation in terms of uh, re- reducing friction or or making sure it's the right amount of friction in the consumer world is spilling over into the into the B two B world because people are sick and tired of having great consumer experiences in the digital world, but then having really poor corporate experiences in, in the digital world. So a lot of the innovation that we see starting with consumers getting great uh, software and great um, digital experiences is becoming the expectation uh, in in the B2B softwares that we deal with on our day-to-day lives as well
2: amazing stuff thank you so i guess we know what digital banking has been like previously but where is it falling behind do you think because i think we we use the words digital banking to kind of mean you know the the forefront of the future and how exciting everything is because we're all digital now but i think there's still a lot of gaps in what digital banking could be doing and is it still reaching up with that potential possibly i mean daniel what do you think about that
3: i think there's a couple of different ways to to look at this um Open banking is a huge part of what's uh, changed in banking over the last uh, few years. Uh, We've recently made an acquisition of a a brilliant company called Comma. And Comma existed because it was solving one of the problems that open banking hadn't totally uh, solved itself yet, bulk payments and this kind of mass aggregation. So there's lots of areas um, in in banking and digital banking that has huge potential. Uh, Open banking is is a great one, uh, therefore access to data, Um, I think that's an area that falling behind, maybe that's the right way of putting it, but certainly where there's a huge area for for, um, improvement. And it's an area where businesses like uh, Weaver, uh, with with its acquisition of Comra, are looking to see that we can can take the, the kind of forefront on that.
2: That's really interesting. Sure. And then Adam, what about you? What do you think? Where are things falling behind?
1: Yeah, I think I touched upon this before, but it used to be the big retail banks where they were have all these legacy systems, and they they there's so much information available for them now that they they weren't really adopting it at the same pace as digital. So they were caught sleeping, I, I would say. And then you've got all these fintechs and challenger banks, neo banks coming along, creating great user experiences, focusing on the customer onboarding aspects. But as I mentioned, there's there's definitely a role reversal now where I'm seeing some of the big digital um, banks that they're, they're growing too quick and they've not got the resources or time to make the changes, uh, whereas the, the retail banks are actually going to be leapfrogging a lot of these digital banks because they're... They're creating these uh, innovation teams, centralizing things, even some of the big banks like HSBC, where, you know, it's a, a ID identity as a service. And then anybody that wants to use identity, they can go through. They get a co- great economies of scale. They get a consistent journey across the brand and the bank. And, and it's hugely scalable uh, anywhere in the world. So, yeah, I think I think where where people are falling behind is probably. Actually, adopting with all the technology changes and not having the time to really invest in in those changes, and and because there's so much information out there of what the right thing to do is now, it's picking what are the right solutions and the right tools for them to use to create, you know, keep moving forwards. I think um, they're they're pretty stagnant in terms of digital banks at the moment, uh, but they're having to make changes either regulation or or because fraud is just getting impalatable.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Jonah, what do you think? Are there any gaps in digital banking that you can see?
0: Yeah, I think for me, two perspectives. Um, the first one is uh, inclusion. conclusion. Um, you know, from my part, from my side of the world, um, what we've is the digital banking platform that have been deployed uh, um, in and around doesn't cover the entire customer base and, um, and, and even the market opportunities uh, for, for some of the banks and even the fintech. So we still have significant gaps um, when you look at some of the data points we have in uh, and around Africa, you still have 45% smartphone coverage when you look at the core technology that is available to drive this digital banking. We've tried to pivot towards USSD so we can, we can do that on the on the, uh, on the the what you call future phone. But again, there's still that opportunity to lower the cost of acquiring the core technology, which is mobile, to drive digital banking. And that's an experience. You have it relatively around most of the emerging markets, so for me that, that that's that's one big one. I think the second one, um, which is interesting, I think Daniel alluded to it earlier, is the fact that not enough industries, adjacent industries, is being digitized enough to bring all that into the digital banking environment. Um, there was the initial resistance from the banks to say, "Okay, look, why should I allow third-party services within my environment?" But that has changed now. Um, but but again, that effort to digitize as many more industries as possible. Um, we know airline is done for, we need things like healthcare and all the other things to come into some of these platforms from a consumer perspective. Remember the consumer is saying, everything I need to live my daily lives, can I get it here? So so I, I think these are some of the opportunities that, that, that still exist.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. And I guess following on from a similar sort of, vein what are the challenges associated with digital banking um particularly in the current landscape as we kind of look towards the future as well with all this kind of new innovation coming in where is thing where are things i should say getting a little bit trickier um adam what do you think about that one
1: yeah, well, obviously, um, there's huge amounts of competition out there at the moment. So it's it, you see more and more digital banks pop up and some are getting very niche. So every, all of that is pulling customers and spreading them thin. So there's only so many um, current accounts that you can have. And then you've got your your holiday cards and things like that. So the, the banks are actually uh, creating really quite compelling um, offers to try and entice customers in. You saw Chase UK come to the market big brand behind them but they created a whole digital bank from scratch and and actually the way they enticed customers was offering a really fantastic saving rate and that really drove adoption so it's it's extremely uh competitive landscape uh, I would say and, and the challenges are having the funds and the, the brand but also what's going to pull what's the pull to get people across so some of these niche uh, providers and and uh, digital banks, you know, they're offering uh, like more of a community feel to the bank and, and you're supporting other people in that community. And that's almost like peer to peer and things like that. But you need something really. You can't just create a bank and stick a logo and h- cross your fingers and hope it works. There's got to be something compelling there. And I think that's the biggest challenge now is how are you going to drive adoption to get people come come along to your banks and I think the retail banks are in a good position because they're trusted, they're well known and actually now they're creating these um, these great experiences that's going to be putting the digital banks under a lot of pressure because I think uh, we discussed it slightly earlier but you know trying to raise, raise an invoice or get a PO out and things like that. if that's a bad experience, you know that that's going to put you off using that service uh, longer term because it's just too difficult or too hard to do. So you'll, you'll look elsewhere. So competition for me is probably the biggest challenge from a consumer's perspective, but also for the, for the banks out there is, is uh, competing to, to get that share of wallet or share of um, customer base.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And Daniel, what do you think on that one?
3: I'm going to um, pick that theme up and run with it, right? Where are the customers, right? that That's the question, right? So distribution is the big issue. Um, we're almost 30 years from, from Bill Gates saying that banking was essential, but banks weren't right. And I, and I think this is the, in the digital age, I don't think it matters who, who you bank with. It matters how you get your financial services and, and, and can you get them quickly, easily, uh, in the way that you want. And, you know, we've, we've said legacy, um, technology half a dozen times on this conversation so far as well, right? It's not just legacy technology, but it's also legacy thinking, right? That's a big challenge for, um, for, for banking. Banks kind of, I like the way Adam put it, right? It's not just a case of creating a digital bank and putting a logo on the front. It's a case of where are the customers? How do they want to consume the financial services? How do I do that with the, the lowest cost in terms of both investment, but also in terms of maintenance of, uh, of serving that customer, all while giving them a great, customer experience. And, and my answer to that question is you need to do it in the uh, services, the digital services that the consumers both as individuals, but also as businesses are using. So the the big challenge that banks are facing right now is how do they get the financial services into the digital software products that uh, people are using in their day to day lives? How do they do it safely? How do they do it in a way that's protected both from a from a data point of view? Because you know regulation is tightening. Uh, the way in which people look after banks look after people's in, uh, information is, is getting more and more uh, scrutinised, and, and so it should. And and also then you have the raising the rising spectrum of consumer duty. How do you make sure that the products that you're providing are actually appropriate? And and a lot of those answers are making sure you have the right data on the people. Uh, and this again goes back to contextually, um, uh, you know, what data can you get from them. From the applications that they're using, in a way that they are prepared to give it to you, in order for them for you to be able to give them good services. So, you know, the, the fundamental challenge that, that digital banking is facing is the consumers are not where they were previously. They are they are now expected to be served uh, inside of the digital solutions that they're that they're using in their day to day lives.
2: Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I really love that. Um, but Jonah, do you have anything to add there from your perspective?
0: Um, and yes, I think from, from, from I, I like to weave the two points that uh, Adam and Danny raised. I mean, when you look at digital banking and you look at it in the last five, 10 years, it's been driven by a lot of innovation. Okay. Um, now, what you then find is that innovation largely has been driven on the backs of new entrants coming into the market, the fintechs, and even some of the big banks making these investments. Now, as this competitive tension between the fintechs and the and the traditional banks continue to exist, I hope that doesn't take away the funding and the necessary investment required to continue to drive new innovation, okay? Um, I'm, I'm hoping that, that as as things evolve, um, the, the financing, the, the innovation required to simplify, to improve speed, improve confidence, um, to continue to make digital banking the, 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 the beautiful thing that we have today, um, remains so so for me, it is we're having enough competitive tension not to take away the funding that drives innovation,
2: yeah, for sure. Really interesting, I love that. Um, I want to touch really briefly on COVID and the impact of the pandemic. And I know we're all sick of talking about it, so I do apologize for bringing it up again. Uh, but I think I, I'd love to know what your thoughts are specifically on how much of an impact the pandemic and the lockdowns and COVID in general had on. The kind of booming digital banking landscape that we we see now. Um, so, I mean, Jonah, what do you think on this one?
0: Okay, so for me, I think there are three big things. Um, again, a big thanks to. When you look at the one of the positive sides of COVID is the fact that um, for for moving business for moving digital banking online, uh, COVID COVID basically made that a no brainer okay um so adoption grew by almost triple digits um digitization of services grew by almost triple digits the number of services we have today um by, by by that and then it also made the conversation with the regulator a lot more easier um before now what you then find was a lot of regulation a lot of things you wanted to get through the regulator was very difficult uh, compliance was at uh, at the highest level but but what COVID then did was to look as Adoption by consumers and businesses grew rapidly, Um, regulation had to be dragged along with that. So, so for me, um, the triple blessing for for, for an impact of COVID on digital banking was adoption, full digitization of of services, and and the fact that regulation was able to now freely and easily support um, the, the kind of growth that we saw in the last five years.
2: Yeah, fantastic. And, Daniel, what do you think?
3: I think I've already made the the largest point I I, I want to make. So maybe I'll just kind of repeat it and and give a different context. Customer expectations went through the roof because everyone was continuously under the same roof, right? We we, we didn't go anywhere. So in the same way as people were staring at walls and going, oh, wow, my house needs a liquor paint or I'm going to extend it or I'm going to redo the garden or whatever. People were saying, ah, this, this service that I've been putting up with being really poor for ages, I'm not going to put up with it anymore. Right, and they had time on their hands to to look around and see where there're better digital services elsewhere. So you had a, a whole raft of businesses that came up, a whole raft, you know, fintechs, neobanks that we've already been talking about. So that they came on board, uh, and people went, "Wow, I can get the same service that I've been getting, lending, investment advice, whatever it is. I can get it so much better uh, with someone else that you know, in in because I can't go to the branch." which i you know, to change my address. So I'm going to open a new account that allows me to open it without having to, to go there. And, you know, it's just the same point over and over again. People's expectations, which were already high, continues to go higher and then spread out into every other line of thinking because maybe they'd been okay with the fact that their pension um, had to be a fully analog purpose. Well, now now, now they're not, right? Maybe they're okay with their insurance being a, a kind of analog or, uh, or you know, print off your documents and sign it and send it in. So, or, you know, the 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 expectations were raised because people were focusing almost exclusively on digital experiences. So it became, if you don't have a great digital experience, you don't have a customer.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, And Adam, what do you think on this one?
1: Yeah, just following on from that really, it's obviously it was horrendous going through COVID, but a lot of good things have come of it. And I think a lot of the banks, they were thinking about doing these things, but then they were probably empowered to just make it happen and get it done quickly. So, it, it, it forced their hands uh, essentially because otherwise they've got no customers, they've got no business, and they'd be in big, big trouble. So, I think, um, but what it also forced them to do is focus on the customer experience. Like in, in Jonah's uh, case out in Africa, it's, it's the, the having low bandwidth and, and not the smart, the latest smartphones is a huge, huge problem over there. So, it's actually designing technology that can work for everybody, anywhere, anytime um and and you know we work very hard um to make sure the technology works whether you've got a high bandwidth connection or a low bandwidth connection and you should be able to create those journeys that work for everybody and the same with um you know bias as well it's it's uh they built products and journeys that worked for for them in a certain country but then different races nationalities ethnicities can have a huge impact they're going through so they would have a completely different experience same journey but completely different experience just because of the way they look and and that's something as well you have to work really harder and it, it it's accelerated all of that for consumers so but it's it was forced by covid
3: otherwise we could be another five years off being where we are today without covid maybe if i could just come back in because this is a reminded me something adam said has reminded me of a funny story from from the COVID times um a, a bank who will remain nameless uh, was very much dragged into the the 21st century when they realized that all of their on-premise um computer systems that they had uh, people weren't able to go in and solve the problems on premise because they they weren't allowed to go there and they didn't have the ability to access them remotely so the bank suddenly had a huge problem of how do we ship secure uh devices out to 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 our um emergency uh engineers uh, so that actually we can keep the lights on and how you know so so it accelerated the, the, this change uh, and i think you know i called it legacy thinking earlier i think it created a a, a kind of Right turn moment almost when people thought, wow, the way that we've been doing this simply isn't going to work for the next uh, 15, 20, 25 years.
2: Yeah, fantastic. I love that. It was definitely a period of change for sure. But I guess, you know, we've talked about the past, we've talked about the present. Let's talk about the future and where digital banking is going to go. Like we've mentioned and touched on briefly before, there's a lot of exciting things happening at the moment, I guess, with like AI, cybersecurity, other things like that. So it would be great to know what you all think. The future of digital banking is going to be um adam i'm going to ask you that one first
1: i mean it's a hugely exciting opportunity and and um look into the future because the the three things that have changed the most is the internet that's changed digital banking because it's taking it online mobile phones have absolutely changed the game and the next thing is going to be sort of uh, artificial intelligence and and uh, how you can utilize that to automate things, streamline things, use data better and make decisions that are personalized decisions for the consumer. So don't treat every single banking customer as exactly the same, but offer personalized experiences. And there's so much data there and you've got the tools and the systems now to look at that data intelligently. I could ask ChatGPT to to write something for me now. I'm pretty sure the banks can utilize that, that AI and create those personalized experiences And whether that's you want a new product and you're delivering that at the right time or the the channel that they choose to go through the onboarding process or when they're trying to make a transaction to, to Daniel's points at the point of time that they need it, it's available there and for them. And it's a great customer experience and not just the positive experience when I'm trying to do something, but when stuff goes wrong as well, how do you deal with that as a bank can be the difference of whether you keep that customer or you lose that customer. And that word of mouth is invaluable. So focusing on the things and the processes when things go wrong, I think it's a huge opportunity for digital banking over the coming years. And yeah, the sector I'm in, in identity, we're extremely excited. We think the face is gonna have a monumental impact on on those changes. And it's thanks to the internet and and these devices that are really gonna make the the difference in terms of uh, brands being able to utilize that and use use the AI. Um, um, But on the flip side, It's great creating, using AI and uh, machine learning and things like that for a positive journey. The fraudsters also have access to these tools and they're probably ahead of the game in terms of R&D on these these, uh, AI tools that are available and out there for them. So my saying that I always say is you've got to fight AI with AI. So if the fraudsters are using it to attack you and use that data to how are you vulnerable and how they can break you, then you've got to use tools like ours where we're heavily AI led. To stop those forces getting through the front door, or triggering uh, when when um, when you suspect something's wrong, and then using your face to 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 prove that it really is the individual that you're dealing with, and it's not a a robot. But the robots are coming. But we yeah, we, it's uh, what's it minority report, isn't it? It's uh, it's uh, amazing how the films are so accurate <laughs> to ha- where we're heading now.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Daniel. What does the future look like for you?
3: What does the future look like for, for digital banking? It's going to come as a surprise to no one uh, that I'm going to say. It's going to be all about contextual uh, financial services, embedded financial services. It's going to be all about whatever software you're using, getting the financial service inside of that. And actually, it's not just about the, that being a better experience for the customer. It's also about that's a that's a safer uh, way to deliver the financial service for the for the banking institution. If you're going to make a loan to someone, why not do it for their payroll service, right? So that you actually can see how much money they're getting on a regular basis. If you're going to lend money to, to, a, to a business, why not do it inside of their APAR system, right? You, you, the more information you have on an organization, uh, the better decision you're going to be able to make. The more AI you're going to be able to leverage to Adam's point. And I completely agree with that. You're going to be able to personalize the, the services and the tools that, individuals and companies need by having more data and giving it in a more controlled fashion if you give someone a loan that can only be used inside of an application to to hire a to to, to buy a car right that that's that's much better risk than it is if you give them the money full stop and they can do it on on anything so you know the embedded finance isn't just a, a nice fun phrase the whole point is it's a more accurate it's a more efficient it's a lower risk uh, and, and a higher profitability um, distribution channel for, for financial services so we're going to see more and more financial services uh, embedded inside of uh, di- digital solutions the, the key will be can it be done safely can it be done meeting regulation can it be done with the understanding that you have to protect the the end user at the same time and that's going to be the you know again that's going to be the challenge but um you know, companies like like Weaver, we're here really to to solve that problem, and um, for organisations like like banks that that have the legacy technology uh, that that hasn't been touched in in 30, 40, 50 years that they don't want to fall over, um, but they still have to meet this expectation from the customer that the financial service comes inside of the digital solution they're using.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Daniel. And then, Jonah, what do you think? Where is the future going for you? Well,
0: um, I agree with uh, with Adam and Daniel. <laughs> What's been very fascinating for me is the fact that um, digital banking has almost been globalized now. Um, so what you find is a lot of services that we consume in different parts of the world are, are delivered from different parts um, of, 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 of different parts of the world. So what you then find is people now need to make payments from either their local bank accounts or from international bank accounts. So what you're seeing is there's somebody in Nigeria who has a bank account with uh, JP Morgan, or it has something with HSBC in Asia or RBC in Canada, and you're doing transactions uh, because you want to pay for services that are local. You want to pay for trade, you want to pay for consumer services and all the rest, and pay school fees and the rest of it. So for me, that nexus us between Um, digital banking platforms being available and the ability for consumers to assess them and conduct and consume services in and around the world is a very interesting um, perspective and I'm looking forward to what it will look like um, in the next 10-20 years.
2: Amazing stuff, fantastic. Well unfortunately that does bring us to the end of our webinar today. Uh, I'm sure we could keep on talking about this for hours and hours but um, firstly obviously thank you to our online audience for watching if you want to hear more about the power 50 then if you just head on over to www.thepower50.com and also thank you so much to my panelists Adam, Daniel, Jonah you have all been absolutely fantastic it's been so interesting to hear your thoughts on this topic and to see where this industry is going to go so uh, I guess we'll all just be watching with our popcorn as the future takes place as you guys have have said it so maybe we'll uh, check back in in a few years time and see Uh, if your predictions were correct or not. But thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure to have you uh, sharing your insights with me today. So thanks so much and hopefully see you soon. Thanks,
3: Polly. Thanks, Polly. Thanks, Adam.
1: Thank you for listening to the Fintech Power 50 podcast. We hope you enjoyed your time here. Don't forget to check us out at thefintechpower50.com. And if you are interested in becoming a part of the Power 50, get in touch today to see how you and your brand will benefit.